Hello and welcome to Stories from India. This is a podcast where we talk about myths, legends and folk tales from India. I am your host Narad Muni and I'm a mythological character myself. I have the gift of eternal life and knowledge of the past, the present and the future. By profession, I'm a traveling musician and a storyteller. So the way I'm doing my job is by podcast. This week it's time for a Tenali Raman story. It has been over a year since we last did one. So I figured this episode can be about this colorful character from the 16th century. He was a jester in Krishna Devaraya's court. We have seen Krishna Devaraya recently in a history episode. We'll see why it is a bad idea to say something patronizing to the king. And if you end up in that situation and the king is really really mad at you, Raman has some advice for you on how you can escape exile and maybe even execution. Our story begins on a typical day in Emperor Krishna Devaraya's court. Let's hear it from the perspective of two people in the audience. The first one, let's call him Patrakar, poked the person standing next to him, whom I shall call Adhikari. Adhikari looked at him more in puzzlement than annoyance. What do you want? Patrakar announced himself as a press reporter. He was here to report on the excess government spending on the court jester, Tenali Raman. Adhikari shook his head. Nothing will come of it. You can't stop the king from spending his money on Raman. You'll see. Court is starting soon. The minister for court affairs cleared his throat and said, "Good morning to his illustrious majesty and to everyone else. Before we begin today's meeting, a couple of announcements. Will the gentleman with the red bullock cart please go to the parking lot immediately? You didn't tie your bullocks properly, and now they are loose and creating quite a bit of a mess." A courtier in one of the back benches hurriedly got up and excused himself the minister continued rookie mistake it seems like we get one every month anyway let's move on next on the agenda i hope everyone kept the raffle tickets from last night's party there will be another drawing Tenali Raman's winning ticket was disqualified when it was found that he had stolen it. I object, shouted Raman. The minister corrected himself. I mean, Tenali Raman obtained it without purchasing it through official means. That seemed to satisfy Raman. Next on the agenda, continued the minister. A shout out to Narad Muni's podcast, which recently featured our emperor. That 
was in episode 166. If you haven't heard it yet, Town Criers will be narrating the episode all night as they make their rounds, just as they have been doing for the last week. No one in the kingdom had been able to sleep peacefully ever since the king got this brilliant idea. Except maybe the king himself slept very well. His bedroom faced away from the open streets. People groaned at the announcement that the town criers would be at it again tonight. But those who groaned groaned silently. Adhikari poked Patrakar in the ribs and said that Patrakar should be writing an article about that. How the king's ego boosting was disturbing everyone's sleep. But Patrakar politely declined. Turns out he was working a second job as town crier. And the last few days, the pay was really good. Before we carry on with the next item on the agenda, which is Tathachari's complaint, the minister continued, we'll be replaying Krishnadeva Raya's podcast episode because we are aware that some of you may have missed the nightly replays and all the repeat narrations from the last few days. Everyone groaned, but again silently. No one dared to express how they really felt, at least aloud. But in the back of the crowd, Patrakar nudged Adhikari in the ribs and said, Come on, let's sneak out of here. We'll go to the cafeteria. I'll buy you a coffee and you can give me some deep background information. Adhikari was more than eager to get out of there. He couldn't stand listening to Krishnadevaraya's biography again. Truth be told, he would even have paid to get out of there. So the promise of a coffee was a nice bonus. But being a true bureaucrat, Adhikari said that he would have to fill out a bunch of forms. That being said, he was ready to look past the missing forms, but only if Patrakar offered him some samosas as well. Patrakar said he was happy to. Yeah, I've been a courtier for a very long time, Adhikari replied to Patrakar's question as they sat down in the cafeteria. I've been here since Tenali Raman first appeared, so I can certainly tell you about all the times the king punished him. Let's see now. There was the time that the king told Raman never to show his face again. Raman still came back to the court the very next day, but with his head in a pot. How could he see with his head in a pot? Patrakar asked. Unless he had x-ray vision like Superman? Adhikari shook his head. No, he made little holes for his eyes and nose and his mouth, of course. He was technically showing a part of his face, 
but no one listened to me when I tried to point out that technicality. In fact, the king laughed and gave him gold. Can you imagine? Yes, yes, I can, Patrakar said. That's why I'm trying to write this article, you know. That's true, Adhikari said. But then, did you know about the time Raman was going to get a whipping? Episode 19 of Narad Muni's podcast, Patrakar said. Yes, I know all about it. Say, do you have any more new material? But it seemed like Adhikari didn't have any new material. You'll probably get to see something live shortly. Shall we head back now? So they did. And just in time. Because just then, the MC had just asked Tathachari to step up and explain his complaint. Patrakar immediately whispered to Adhikari to ask who Tathachari was. Our readers might like to know, he added. Adhikari answered that Tathachari was a sort of a guru or teacher to the emperor. If Tathachari had a complaint, it meant Krishnadevaraya was certain to act on it. There were no prizes for guessing who Tathachari was complaining about. Since the day Tanali Raman had arrived, there had always been some kind of a strong rivalry between the two. Tanali Raman was irreverent and Tathachari was contemptuous. Not a combination that fixes itself. Your Majesty, he cheated me. Tathachari said. I was bathing in the river and he stole my clothes. He only promised to return them if I carried him on my shoulders. And so I did. Yes, I know that part, Tathachari, sir, the emperor said. I saw him treating you that way and I dispatched my soldiers to give him a good beating. Your Majesty, this scoundrel saw the soldiers coming with sticks, and I didn't. He claimed that because he felt bad for me, he wanted to carry me instead. How was I to know that he had merely anticipated the exact wording of your instructions? So when the soldiers arrived, they beat the man who was sitting on the other person's shoulders. Me instead of Raman, Krishna Devaraya almost burst out laughing. But seeing his guru's glare, he quickly changed it into a fake snort instead. Tenali, how dare you? I was only trying to make up for my crime, your majesty. I didn't think the soldiers would beat him. Raman replied, I've had it with you, Tenali. I often think that if you're so blatantly making fun of my guru, then you must be making fun of me as well. What? No, your majesty. Why is there any need to do that? Raman replied. There you go. You're just doing it again. The emperor snapped. 
I think you can't help yourself. Well, there's only one cure for this. No, please, Your Majesty, anything. I can stand anything, except for a paid vacation. Please, please spare me. Please don't send me on a paid vacation. Raman begged. He was trying a little bit of reverse psychology. Unfortunately for him, it backfired. All right, Tanali, so be it. No vacation for you. Instead, I order you to be executed. There was shocked silence around the court. The only noise was Patrakar's quill furiously racing on paper. I'll be generous, though, the emperor said. You may choose the manner of your death. The minister for executions has quite a catalogue if you want to pick something off of it. This was the minister of executions moment in the spotlight. He stepped up quickly with copies of a menu. Thank you for the opportunity, Your Majesty. I have several options, Mr. Raman, sir. May I recommend the house special tonight? It's a beheading device of my own invention. I call it the guillotine. I already received a large batch of orders from France. I bet that in no time, it's going to become the latest craze, the fashion in Paris. Prisoners will be rankling their chains, clamoring for the guillotine instead of a plain old hanging. But Raman politely refused. No thank you, minister. I won't need a catalogue. I have already chosen a manner of execution. The king has given his word that he'll grant it. The minister of executions looked crestfallen. He had spent a fairly large portion of his budget in creating the catalogue. And so far, none of the people on death row seemed to like it. Would it have killed them? to show some appreciation for all his effort? Actually, it would. That was the point. Maybe that was a poor choice of words. The emperor was getting impatient. Well, what is it, Tanali? Cut to the chase. You may have the rest of your life to slow reveal your choice, but we don't. We've got important work to get back to. Your Majesty, I wish to die of old age. Raman replied. It was a clever reply, but the king wasn't buying it. Not this time, Tanali. It has to be from the catalogue. The Minister of Executions brightened again. Reluctantly, Tanali browsed through the catalogue and picked one. I wish to be beheaded by a single blow from a soldier while half immersed in the swimming pool. That was an odd one. Why had the minister for executions even put that one in there? Apparently, 
it was to fill a blank page in the catalog and he didn't really think anyone would pick that but now raman had picked it the gang all moved to the swimming pool it was awkward the soldier and raman were both waist deep in water the soldier unsheathed his sword and he swung it raman ducked at exactly that time and the soldier missed being in the water helped it impeded easy movement on the soldier's part but when the soldier raised his sword to try again raman called a time out your attempts are over soldier your majesty the soldier was instructed to behead me with his sword in a single swing bit of a tongue twister there but the point is that he missed now if he beheads me it will be with a second swing it'll no longer be a single swing of his sword that was a technicality and it was true the emperor was still not buying it not cool tanali you don't get your way this time you've insulted me and my guru enough times you're still getting another death sentence this time i will decide your manner of execution i've decided that you will be trampled by elephants this was punishment reserved for the worst offenders raman would be buried in the sand up to his neck then a herd of wild elephants would be released in the hopes that one of them would accidentally step on the offender and crush them it was a terrible punishment both for the criminal and for the elephants but it kept the elephant psychiatrist in business raman looked genuinely worried please your majesty i reluctantly accept your judgment but please don't carry this punishment out near the dhobi ghat please and i mean the dhobi ghat by the river not the one over by the lake the dhobi ghat in case you don't know is a portion of the river bank reserved exclusively for dhobis to you know wash clothes the king chuckled why raman i bet you owe your dhobi some money soldiers i command that you carry out the order at dhobi ghat let that be a lesson to raman All right. Case dismissed. Next. The king carried on with court. But Patrakar and Adhikari sneaked out of the back again. Patrakar needed to witness this live. Maybe once and for all it would put an end to taxpayer money being spent on Raman. But that was not the way things would turn out raman had been applying a bit of reverse psychology again and this time successfully 
Within moments of being buried neck deep in the sand, Raman spotted just the person he was hoping to see. An elderly dhobi or washerman who was walking slowly back from the river. He had a heavy load of clothes on his back and he was bent over. Raman was unguarded. The soldiers had gone off to fetch the elephants. They didn't want to do that until after burying Raman because they didn't want to give the elephants any trauma. It would be distressing for the animals to realize that their casual stroll across the sand had caused death. Raman was unguarded but not unobserved. Patrakar and Adhikari were staring at him through the bushes. Patrakar was also furiously drawing one sketch after another. He had to try to capture as much evidence of the scene as possible. In the absence of a camera, sketching the details was the only option. Raman politely and loudly greeted the dhobi. The dhobi was surprised. Oh, I didn't see you there, sir. What are you doing buried in the sand? While saying that, the dhobi lowered the heavy load of clothes off of his back, which did not alter his appearance. Years of carrying heavy loads had taken their toll, and the dhobi's back was a little deformed. Raman explained that he wasn't just buried in the sand. He was getting a cure. A cure for his own deformed back. This was nonsense, of course. Raman's body was perfectly okay. But the dhobi didn't know that. And the dhobi had been hunting for a cure exactly like this. The dhobi pleaded with Raman to let him in on the scheme. With great apparent reluctance, Raman agreed to let the dhobi dig him out and marvel at his apparently cured back. Finally, Raman helped bury the dhobi neck deep into the spot newly vacated by Raman. If the punishment had been to get their faces tickled by feathers, or if it had been to be forced to listen to even more repeat narrations of the podcast, Raman's actions might have been forgiven. But what followed was pretty much murder. The elephants came and trampled the dhobi. I wish Patrakar or Adhikari had intervened. But Patrakar wanted to maintain journalistic independence. And no one had submitted filled-in forms to Adhikari in triplicate. So he wouldn't be jumping out from behind the bushes and rescuing the Thobi. Raman had the nerve to go back to the emperor. Puzzlingly, the emperor welcomed Raman with open arms and even gave him some gold for what he called entertainment value. But most of the court 
remained unconvinced. A few notes. Not to sound too iconoclastic, but Ramond was far too selfish, looking out for no one's interest but his own. Previous Tenali Raman stories are linked in the show notes and on the site sfipodcast.com. Please check them out. As is traditional on the show, the characters are named for the roles they play. Patrakar means reporter and Adhikari is the word for an officer. That's all for this time. In the next episode, we'll go back to the Mahabharat. We did a few peripheral stories recently. But it has been a few months since we covered the main storyline of this great epic. I've told a few stories about the education of the Pandav and Kaurav children. Well, there are many more stories around that time in the Mahabharat. But we'll move on to graduation and choosing a successor to the throne. We'll still cover other stories from the Pandav and Kaurav childhood, but we'll keep coming back to those stories time and again in future episodes. If you have comments or suggestions, or if there are particular stories that you would like to hear, please do let me know by leaving a comment or a review on the site sfipodcast.com or tweet at sfipodcast. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get notified automatically of new episodes. A big thank you to each and every one of you for your continued support and your feedback. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.